Welcome to the Sharkpreneur Podcast with Kevin Harrington and Seth Green. Kevin Harrington is the inventor of the infomercial, one of the original sharks from the hit TV show Shark Tank, and has generated over $5 billion in TV and digital direct response sales. Seth Green is the world's first trusted authority on cutting edge direct response marketing, a best-selling author, and the only three-time Marketer of the Year nominee. On the podcast, Kevin and Seth interview sharkpreneurs who share straight talk on what it takes to explode your business. Why do so many businesses struggle while others seem to explode overnight? Do you wish you had the secret to this type of exponential growth? Now, I've scaled more than 20 businesses to over $100 million, and it's not just luck. In my new book with Mark Tim, Mentor to Millions, you'll learn the repeatable framework I use in all my business ventures for massive success. Order at KevinMentor.com and get over $1,000 in bonuses. Head to KevinMentor.com. Welcome to the Sharkpreneur Podcast. This is your co-host, Seth Green. Today, I have the good fortune to be joined by Matthew Januzic of the co-founder of Escape Fitness, who has taken it from zero to a $33 million global business chosen by big brands and independent fitness professionals, including the UFC, Equinox, One Rebel, Sanctuary Fitness, and a whole lot more. Matthew, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for inviting me. All right. So for our folks who don't know, what is Escape Fitness? So Escape Fitness, we, we essentially design fitness spaces. So similar to what you've got in the background, we work with a lot of the major health club chains, hotels, uh, boutique fitness studios, and we go and we, we design them. We uh, provide the education for many of their trainers in terms of how to use the equipment. And then we also manufacture many of the functional training tools that you will see in, in, in a lot of our spaces and many, many other spaces um, in, in traditional fitness gyms. That is amazing. I did not know that was a market. That is awesome. How did you get started? Um, well, I was, uh, as, a young, as a younger boy, I guess, um, I was very um, influenced by pumping iron, Arnold Schwarzenegger. And um, so I, um, I didn't manage to find a business opportunity to go into that, that kind of, um, that used that talent. And, and I competed as a junior bodybuilder. Went in, did a few jobs that I weren't particularly interested in, but um, gave me a lot of experience in business. And then when I was in my sort of mid-20s, late-30s, decided to, um, I needed to sort my life out. Um, I wasn't particularly going anywhere. And I thought, you know, I'm, I, I was, at that time I was looking for a woman. And I thought, well, no one's going to have me where, where I am. Um, so I, I decided to start a business and uh, create a bit of a life for myself uh, in terms of developing myself and also developing a, a business. How did you decide to, did it originally start as designing gym space, fitness spaces, or did it start somewhere else and you pivoted? Yeah, we started, uh, the first product that we had was a dumbbell. And um, at the time in, in the market, um, the, uh, some of the sort of best clubs had these dumbbells and, and the uh, weight plates that you use on a barbell, and they were covered in rubber. And I always used the gym I went into, you kind of had the, the, the more experienced uh, professional lifters that got to use the best kit. And then everyone else, all the other bodybuilders, we had this kind of clanky steel product. And, and so the idea was born really to say, well, look, if we can find a way of producing an affordable um, weight plate and dumbbell, then there's probably a big market for it. And, and that's what we did. Um, I, I, I started the business with my father. He was an engineer. 
and his dream was to, or his, his sort of vision was that Poland would be a great European low-cost manufacturing uh, source. Um, and mine was to do something within the fitness industry. So we kind of combined those ideas, came up with this, um, with this concept. And he went and found and sourced a factory and we started making and importing dumbbells. And, and then I went out and did the selling and the development, the marketing. And obviously a lot happened in those 20 years. But, um, but that was really where we started and we, we, you know, eventually sort of built a brand around that and tried to find ways to differentiate ourselves and add value and, uh, to a lot of the clients that we serve. That is, I'm sure the longer version should be in a book if it isn't already. <laughs> so there's a lot of lessons there that we don't have time to get through all of them. But let's talk about, so you started off making a physical product because you were the consumer yourself and you didn't like what your, you had a better idea for how you could make that product. You actually took action. You had an in, you know, you had a helpful help from a relative, but you actually got it done. How did you overcome? I would imagine the first gym you walked into and tried to sell it, they didn't fly off the shelves. How did you create that initial marketing, that initial sales? How did you overcome the initial rejection? Well, we had a lot of them. Um, my, my, my route to market initially was to look at the uh, businesses that were already supplying those types of, of businesses. So for me, I thought, well, like, you know, going gym to gym was great, but, but you know, the volume for that type, you know, it was a relatively low value uh, type of product and we needed, we needed volume uh, for, for the business to work. So we, we decided to go and uh, identify people that were already selling into that space. So we, we knocked on the door of a lot of manufacturers of things like treadmills and machines who didn't make these products but needed it to, to, to complete a gym. And um, we, you know, I pretty much knocked on the door of everybody that was doing that. Um, and eventually we managed to, to find uh, sort of one of, the, one of the sort of larger companies within that space um, and, and we started supplying them. And then, and then we kind of, you know, found other people and, and expanded uh, from there. But, but initially the, it, was, it was trying to find some other people that had a bigger network that, that wanted, that also had a problem that, that we could solve and we, we partnered together with them on that. So that is awesome. How did you, how did it evolve? Because you went from one product in a gym used by bodybuilders, weightlifters, exercisers, fitness enthusiasts. How did that evolve into basically the entire gym? Yeah, well, I, I, what we did, we, it, it kind of, um, you know, it was almost like a, a, a logical next step. So we would go in and we, we did the dumbbells and weight plates. That was really where we started. And then it was kind of like, well, what else, what else is happening within that area that is, is an opportunity to, to develop into that, that kind of complements the, what we call the DNA within our business. So the skills and the supply chain and that sort of thing, um, or was being done particularly badly. So, so we went from, from dumbbells and weight plates. And then we said, well, what are, what are they, what do they go on? What are they stored on? And, and so if you, if you ever go into a gym, you'll see dumbbells, they, they sit on a rack. Um, most of the racks that were being done at the time were very sort of, um, uh, you know, very functional, but they, they, they didn't look very nice. And, and certainly in Europe, where we started our business before we moved to the, to, to the USA, um, the, um, you know, design was becoming more important. People were looking at the aesthetics of the gyms to, you know, create these type of experiences that you could see behind me. So what we did is we, we took a basic sort of steel three or four bits of steel and we, we, we just added some simple design to them. And then we felt other people said, well, you know, we've got all these other training tools, medicine balls and kettlebells. What, are, you know, what could we store those on? So we started creating 
storage for these products that, that look nice, that organize the gym. And then, you know, it, we, we just kind of slowly evolved it from there. That, that was really how we went. But it was very sort of, you know, step by step. And some of it was really down to the relationships that we were building and the customers that we were speaking to, asking them what sort of problems they had. Some cases, it was a supplier that was, was unreliable. And they said, well, look, you know, if you can solve this problem for me, then we'll buy those from you. And then we took that idea, developed it, and then found other customers that also had similar problems. That is absolutely fascinating. Now, you have, you teach now that there are successful habits you have to have, not just mentally as an entrepreneur, but physically. You've kind of combined the passion for fitness with mental fitness. Talk a little bit about that journey. Um, well, I, I think the, the, the key thing is whether, you know, in, as, when you're an entrepreneur, um, you know, it, it's a, as, as you know yourself, it, it's not an easy journey. And, and, and so one of the things, you know, I, I compare it a lot to maybe an athlete in sport. And, and if, if, you, if you compete, whether you play football or anything like that, there's a, there's a huge amount of training that goes into it. There's a huge amount of psychology that goes into it. You've got to have your diet right. You've got to have your recovery you probably need a good coach to, to sort of get you where you are. But all of that for probably maybe one hour a week where you're actually on playing on the field. If you're an entrepreneur, you're, you're pretty much 12, 17, 20 hours a day, um, seven days a week for, for several years to get things going. So most people sort of think it's all about working hard and grinding. Um, but, but in a lot of cases, people get burnt out very quickly when they get a punch on the nose because they're tired and run down and they're not thinking particularly well, it, it totally knocks them off, of course. And, and, and so for me, one of the things I've found in my business is, is to be able, you know, the, the, the mind and the body connection are very, very strong and, you, and you've got to have a strong mind, but in order to have a strong mind, you've got to have a strong body. And so one of the most important things I say for entrepreneurs, and I had a conversation with a friend the other day that was, was struggling to kind of get himself in shape and stick to a program is he said, how do you do it? How do you, how have you been able to work out consistently for over 35 years? And I, I said to him, I said, the most important thing is you've got to put it before everything. Because if you don't put your health and fitness, workout, diet before everything, you're going to be a lousy husband. You're going to be a lousy boss. You're, you're, you're going to be lousy at decision making for your business. And, and, and ultimately, you're going, to, you're, going to have, you're going to be living in a lot of pain. And so if you can put that first, you know, it, it helps to, to, to set your mind straight. It, it helps with your body, with your endurance, um, with your energy levels, which you're going to need a huge amount of energy with you know, getting up at four or five in the morning and, and bringing it to and working till late at night. You need energy um, and you need to stay fit. You stay healthy because if you're sick and, and you've got you know, problems with your body, you're not going to be any good and you're not going to be successful. So one of the most important things I say is, you know, put, if you're an entrepreneur, you need to think of yourself as an athlete and you need to train like an athlete, you need to recover like an athlete and you need to eat like an athlete. And if you can do that, then that will have a massive impact on your business over the long term. That is fascinating. I love that. That is a great analogy and really, really helpful. You talk, I know you've done, you've talked about your consistency. What's your morning routine? How do you start your day? What time do you get up? What do you do? Yeah, I, when I was in Europe, I used to like, I used to start my day and I used to like to work out. That was, that was my thing that, that worked with my sort of lifestyle. I'm now living in on the West Coast in California, which is a great place to live. But unfortunately, it's still a big part of our businesses in Europe. So I, I tend to wake up about 5.30 a.m. Um, I just get myself, I, I, I do the basics. I have some water. I have my green drink. Um, I kind of go through 
the meetings again on my agenda um, and I go straight into calls until about um, until about 11 o'clock because that's really the, the most important time I can spend with with my team over there speaking to customers before they finish their day. So it's it's probably not not a typical day if you're if you were operating in, you know, if, 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 I, if I did business in California, I'd probably do it a little bit differently. But because of the type of markets I deal in, I need to be ready alive and active to sort of hit the road running first thing in the morning but but mo probably the most important thing is to is to sort of plan my day the morning um sorry the evening before the day so when i when it you know when i go into those meetings everything's ready i've i've got my plan on paper i've you know if i've got meetings i'm set up i've got my lighting and whatever i need to do to sort of hit the road running in the morning you talked about how you're in so many different markets how do you launch in a new market? How do you build and then grow a brand all over the world world like you've done so well? Yeah, it's, it's, it's come with a lot of practice and a lot of failure. We, we started in England. The first market we went into was Poland because we're manufacturing products over there. Um, and that was very, you know, if I'd, have done, if I'd have been in that place again, I wouldn't have done that first. Not because it's not a great market to operate in, but the, the, the sort of legislation and the documentation that's required in, in that market was extremely difficult. The language is extremely difficult. The, the development of the market was extremely difficult. So we, we did it, we, we made success, but it was, it, was a, it was probably one of the most difficult things that we could, have, we could have attempted when we were such a young business. We then realized that Germany within Central Europe was probably the biggest fitness market that we could go into. And we thought, well, look, that makes logical sense. Let's enter Germany. So we went there, we set up an operation, a warehouse, built a team. We had a great distribution center, uh, built websites, sales and marketing material but again what we didn't realize is everything that you when you're in a different market with a different language everything you do you have to do twice so you know and this is pre-social media but your website any videos that you create any marketing communication you've got to do it twice and it's very difficult sometimes to translate that message um, even if it was in the same language so it was it was a great experience um, we still have the operation there and it's still doing well but it was it was a very it, it kind of made sense because it was a logical expansion and it was relatively close but it was very difficult to operate in we then opened an office and warehouse and distribution center in asia which again was 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 a slightly different strategy because we use that as a bit of a distribution hub to supply our, our, our different dealers in asia pacific so we we kind of simplified that a little bit more compared to what we did in europe and then finally about five or six years ago we came to the united states English speaking, one of the biggest fitness markets in the world, although it's ex extremely competitive, uh, if I'd have done it again, I'd have probably gone straight to the US as the next step because there's so many more synergies in terms of sales, marketing, culture, communication, and all those things take a lot of time, you know, just hiring people, bringing them on board, training them in your products, training them in the market, um, training them in the company, all those things take a lot of time, they make create you know there's a lot of cost involved in that and unless you have deep pockets or an investor it's, it's quite a difficult thing to do we're a family business we decided to do it all ourselves so we self-funded so the money we made we put back into our expansion but if there was a tip that i could give to anybody that that looks at an international business and thinks it's very sexy and exciting to do it i would say look focus on your on your home market first once you're the market leader and you've penetrated that and, and you're the you're, you know you're dominating it and you've got someone that can look after the business if you're going to be the one that's going to go and develop it in another market. Don't, don't be the person that was creating it 
and then go and move it because what will happen is that market will start to crumble when you're not, you know, when you're looking over here, it will, it will crumble behind you. But if you've got the right people and the right structure and partners in place to look after that market, then go overseas, but try and get as many synergies as what you can because it's very difficult, it's very time consuming, it's very expensive. Now, you have not had a straight line. You've had a whole lot of ups and downs as we all do over the years from growing from zero to $33 million. I find we learn a lot more sometimes from other people's adversities that they've overcome than we do from their successes. What were some of the challenges you faced and what were some of the lessons, most important lessons you think you learned? I think when you're outside of, you know, obviously there's a lot of challenges and failures in that, just in that expanding. And that, that was a big part of what the company did over, over time. Um, there's, you know, we've had loads of things that we've done wrong um, and, and we could spend a whole podcast on that. But I think one of the things that I would say that probably stands out is that, um, you know, when, when, you're, when you're a small startup, you know, nobody looks at you, nobody rings the phone, nobody emails you. Um, it's quite a solitary thing. And then when you suddenly get somebody that wants to place an order, you get very excited and it's like, oh, wow, somebody believes in me. And, and so over time, as you start to build your business, you, you, you develop your own confidence, but also as well as customers, it attracts opportunities. And, and if you've never had those opportunities before, um, you see that it's, it's almost like kind of being the ugly guy and then going to the disco and suddenly all the girls are looking at you. You don't know where to start first. And you, you know, you try and hang out with all of them, but you know what happens when you try and do that? It becomes, it, it, it goes terribly wrong. And I think in business, people make those same mistakes is that they, they get these, you know, I think um, I've, I've heard of the phrase shiny pennies and, and, and you, you're like, okay, well, let's try this because this is great. Let's try this. Let's distribute this product. Let's get that one. And before you know it, you've really diluted what made you successful in the first place you, you you're distracted you're trying to keep all these people all these this, you know all these girlfriends happy at the same time um and it's and it's difficult you know it's, it's not a case of getting a great product and distributing because they all want attention you know they, they've got numbers if you're distributing they've got numbers they want you to hit or you know you've got commitments to stock and it gets very very difficult so one of the things i've learned is yes you know expand your business but be very clever about it and just because somebody comes to you with a great opportunity and they say, look, we really want you to, to work um, and distribute our product. You've got to think, well, why do they want to do that? Obviously I'm doing something well. Is it better to double down on those things that I'm doing well and, and, and just get better and better and, and, and dominate or be sort of like a B player where you're one of many people. Yes, you've got a decent market share, but you're not owning the market because if you don't own the market, you're not really anywhere. And it's, and it's very difficult to succeed. It's very difficult to make money your margins are always under pressure. And, um, and I think that's, you know, I, I see that across the board. That's probably one of the most common mistakes I see a lot of young business owners and entrepreneurs making, including myself. You know, I've done it many times, so I'm not, I'm not sort of pointing any fingers there. <laughs> under, un, understood. You've got an absolutely incredible journey and you've built an amazing business. For our folks who want to learn more about what you're doing, where is the best place for them to go to learn more? Yeah, a couple of places. Um, if, from a business perspective, it's Matthew Januszek. You can see my name um, on, on here on LinkedIn. I put a lot of business content out on there. Um, we've also got a podcast called Escape Your Limits. It's very fitness-based, but if you're into fitness, want to learn anything about I recommend that. And if you're looking to do out your home gym at the moment and stay fit, then escapefitness.com is our website. Check that out. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm very happy to give any of your readers a special discount. We can talk about that later. But um, that's, that's probably the best places you can find me. That is absolutely awesome. We know your time's incredibly valuable. We greatly appreciate you spending some of it with us. 
This has been Seth Green for Sharkpreneur with Matthew Janizek of Escape Fitness. Matthew, thanks so much again. Thanks for inviting me. Thanks everybody for watching or listening and we'll see you next time. Do you need money to fund your idea, product or service? Are you ready to take your business to the next level but need capital to get it done? Kevin Harrington has heard more than 50,000 pitches and knows how to help you make the perfect pitch to get the funding for your entrepreneurial dream. He's distilled the process down in his perfect pitch cheat sheet and it's yours for free. Just text PITCH to him right now at 727-888-2100. Text PITCH to 727-888-2100 right now and claim your free perfect pitch cheat sheet. Text PITCH to 727-888-2100 to start funding your dream today. This show has been produced by Market Domination, LLC. To discover how you can have your own show completely done for you and turn it into a real published book and become the authority in your marketplace, go to www.marketdominationllc.com slash podcast offer. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. <laughs>